Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing Podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. It is the Everything is Marketing Podcast. His name is Eric Holtgren. And her name is Ann Drummond. And today we're going to be talking about video because if there is... Two questions we get asked the most. It is, do I have to do this? The answer is yes. And if so, how? We can tell you. (laughs) And you know what I think is interesting, and guys, we will have some tips at the end of the podcast and um, some other things going on that we'll tell you about at the end. But the thing with video is it's becoming a lot like working out. You're supposed to do it regularly. All the time. Right. And you're like, eh. I don't know. I'd rather eat a cheeseburger, right? I I love cheeseburgers, and there's a time and a place for them. But every day should be for video. And if you're not releasing your content in video, you're shortchanging yourself. So let's let's talk quickly about how your team would make a decision as to where they're going to start. Because one of the things, and we'll talk about this in a second, is we see a lot of people that go to the gym, and then they just like, spend four minutes on each machine and don't really actually get anything done. And we want to help you avoid that sort of analogy. Absolutely. So when, whenever we're beginning a conversation here internally um, at MLive or with one of our clients, we really begin with how that consumption is supposed to happen, right? So, so who is watching this piece of content or listening to the piece, to the piece of content sure. or reading it? And uh, what device are they on? You know, is this... Is this device um, a second screen device? Is it happening during something else and you're releasing with intention while something else is happening? Um, Where are they in the journey? Knowing that uh, video really has a place in every step of the journey and and creating the engagement that you're looking for on that path to conversion. And maybe what else matters to their decision too, right? So is there something else in the water that's going to influence their purchase decision? Or their decision to consume your content. So we're really starting with the consumption conversation. Which I, I, I believe is is the place that we should start ultimately because the other thing that I feel a lot of brands make a mistake in in this particular medium is they make a video for whatever reason and they make it for themselves. And then they turn around and go, Ad, that didn't work. Let's stop making video. When, And we'll give some examples here in a second. If you turn the lens and create video for your fans or your customers or your clients or whatever word you use to describe the people that love your brand, you will find that they tend to consume your content more so than if you just made a thing for yourself. Well, most of the time, we are not our exact customer. So we need to look at the piece of content that we're creating or the advertising that we're doing through the lens of the person that's going to be affected by it, as opposed to ourselves. Um, it's interesting that you say that, because I, uh, long ago, many, many moons ago in my career, um, I was marketing a destination-style restaurant, right? I was their internal communications person, and that destination-style restaurant is where you went for you know, your dinner before prom. Sure. Or your first, you know, where you got engaged. or And then, of course, on your 10th anniversary, right? Yep. It was the spot that you went. And I can remember having conversations with the staff of that restaurant who were, you know, 18 to 24 years of age and having them say things to me like, I don't see us advertising anywhere. 
And my response was immediately, I'm not advertising to you. I'm not marketing to you, the 18 to 24 year old. I am marketing to the person who's going to be coming into this restaurant property every Saturday night and hopefully turning in them into a twice a weeker from a once yep. a weeker, right? So understanding who you're making it for is a critical piece. And so we're we're making the video. We've we understand who it is and we've mapped out. And the thing that you will hear us say on the course of this podcast is you have a plan. A, you need a plan, guys. Like this is not a thing. You do not get up on Monday and go, guess we should make a video today. That is not a that's not what we're talking about. We have made this plan. We know who we are talking to. We know how we're going to get them to go in this example, right? From once a week to your restaurant or once a month at your restaurant to twice a month and then from twice a month to once a week from what right down that line. And we've created a video asset or video assets that can touch every part of the journey. And and the nuance there, guys, is, and I think Annie would agree with me, I feel you could make a single piece that you cut up into pieces to attack every part of the journey. I completely agree with you. Or you could go the other way and make individual pieces. Right, and then build them into a whole, right? Um, infographics work that way too. Sure. We, we have something around here that we call uh, infograph bits, which is quite literally all the bits and pieces that make up the larger infographic when you view it as a whole. So releasing each one individually to see which one garners the most attention or which six you know, factoids sure. or pieces of the list um, garner the most attention. And then using those as the, the reason someone wants to click through to see the whole, right? So infograph bits or uh, it works the same way in video. One large whole video broken into many small parts or vice versa. And so what, what should people be thinking about next, especially marketers when they're dealing with video? Well, let's, let's think about, you know, and again, I'll tease to the end of the podcast because we're going to be talking about some tips about releasing in Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and the things that you should be doing. So there is that component here. But let's think about how you generate kind of a, a one-two punch with the things that you're releasing right? So what do marketers do? Well, we need to think about that rule of three. We talk about it as the rule of three. Eric, I, you and I have talked about this a lot, sure. right? Use it in this medium for a purpose and take a condensed cut of it and release it in an, in an alternate medium for another purpose and so on so that there is an ecosystem that's surrounding this topic and generating some real activity for you. Um, we used the, the chicken feed you know, as right. we were prepping for our for our discussion today, we use chicken feed as the example. And you know, when you're when you have a handful of chicken feed and you scatter it onto the ground, suddenly you have lots of chickens at your feet that are that are gobbling up this this feed. But that kind of scatter approach is certainly not the same kind of purposeful planned approach that you have when you're making a Thanksgiving meal. And you know, everything has to come out of the oven at the same time or off the stove at the same time and be served hot on a table that's set beautifully surrounded by friends and family. That takes much more of a plan, right? Yes. And I, I think the, the the two pieces in the zeitgeist right now that have used a lot of plans, and we'll only talk about one of them, but I'll hit on both of them, is, of course, Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame. And we put out a video this week talking about Endgame, and, and one of the things that I think was the biggest learning you could get out of that moment in pop culture history was when the Marvel team who made Avengers set out to do this 11 year, 22 film, 60 hour journey, 
they wanted to do two things. They wanted to tell a large story, so they had a plan, to your point. But they wanted to make sure that every piece of content could stand on its own. So you didn't have to watch one before the other or these in any particular order. You could jump in anywhere in the funnel, right, and enjoy this universe. And I think that's the other thing that marketers need to understand is that when you break up that five-minute piece into other pieces, those other pieces have to stand on their own because you can't make the assumption that Anne is going to go watch all five minutes or Anne is going to pick up other pieces to make sense of the thing on Instagram she saw that's 15 seconds long. These things have to stand by themselves and tell a larger story. They absolutely do. So in the case of Endgame, you know, we're talking about a whole that has been broken out in parts, well-planned, strategically released parts yep. over the course of many years, right? So that content strategy is the, the thing that they want you to convert around. But they've also used this plan when generating emotion, activity, sentiment, uh, and frankly, ticket sales for the movie, right? So how they're marketing it is working the exact same way. Yes, but I would pause there because I think that's an important thing is understanding that they didn't make Endgame to sell tickets, right? They made Endgame for a fan base, for a customer, for a client, for a patient. Again, whatever word you use to describe For your, the sake of that story. Your community, that's what they made that first ticket sales come second. Absolutely. Right? It's really about giving something, giving this this whole body of work, this oeuvre, if you will, like this whole, nice did use. I just say that? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I, I did. Okay, should I say Marvel Universe or canon no, or anything a, like no, that? No, okay, yeah. Um, but really this, this entire body of work and handing it off to um, individuals who are going to love its parts and its whole. Absolutely. And so um, this week we've got another thing coming up, and I think it's a great example, and you're a huge fan of the Derby, and they're also doing something similar to kind of merge the two analogies, treating the horses like superstars or superheroes. Can you well, talk the horses are the superstars of, yes. of the first Saturday of May, yep. and you're absolutely right. So um, you, know, you are a Marvel fan. I am a fan of horse racing. I love it. The, the Derby is a great example of that. So Right now, they are slow releasing information about each of the individual horses, each of the individual jockeys. They're sharing photographs and Instagram of, um, of the, the champions that are, have come before, um, but also of those that we are expecting for this year, right? We're watching these horses kind of acclimate to the new track and to their new environment as they're preparing for Saturday's race and talking about... Um, all of the elements that go into the preparation of the track and the, the preparation of, you know, really just building momentum to this one day, you know, most famous two minutes. But, but see, that's why I love this story. Because, again, if you're not familiar with the Derby, understand, guys, at the conversion point, the thing that they want you to do, it's about 90 seconds of content mm -hmm. when you finally get the race to happen. But there's 10 hours before that two hours after that there's then depending on who wins there's a discussion about will they win the other two right like mm -hmm. um and all of the emotion and excitement and preparation that goes into simply attending or watching yes, sure there's so much of that so um it, it, the the women who attend the derby are bound to wear a hat that you know 
barely fits into their zip code. How right? many of these hats do you own? I, it, too many to count. It's, it's, <laughs> this is not an important part of our conversation it's absolutely today. absolutely vital to this conversation. Um, but the, the excitement that goes into preparing that uh, garment, you know, that, that hat for yourself or making your plans or sharing it with your friends or researching, you know, the horses, um, all of those things are part of the larger ecosystem or part of the larger experience. And the same is true for Endgame. And I say in both cases, right, you're not attending, right? You're not going to the race on Saturday. No, but I'll watch it. For and you're sure. probably having people over, yes? Uh, well, maybe not this year. But typically you would, right? Yes. And so you've created this piece of content. You've created this race that now bends space and time where someone in Grand Rapids is going to have people over that will dress similarly than they would at the Kentucky Derby miles and miles and miles and miles away having the same sort of emotional investment in that mm -hmm. with the same you know with endgame you've got creatures from all over the globe and all over the the universe coming together to solve a problem and all of these people are enjoying it through a mediated screen that they were introduced by in some sort of video format mm -hmm. and we've been saying this a lot and we'll get in a little bit deeper as we unpack some of what's coming out of Facebook's F8 developer conference this week because it has implications on your marketing, specifically how you build community, that if you're not building community and video content at the same time in 2019, you got a problem. Absolutely. And you have to have the plan. You absolutely have to understand what it is that you're putting out into the universe and how someone is going to experience it as a whole or as pieces of a whole. And that raises another thing that I, I want to point out real quickly is, guys, as you put this content out, you then measure it, right? You don't do them. You don't do that at the same time. You don't produce and measure at the same time. You put it out and measure it later. But you absolutely have to measure what happens to these content pieces so you understand what works when and more specifically where. Absolutely. So let's let's use um, ourselves as an example, right? Uh, we released uh, three artifacts in rapid succession um, around the Sioux locks. Yeah, and I, and I want to say, guys, that we talk a lot here about experimenting, testing, and repeating, and, and this was absolutely out of something that we stumbled into. So three weeks prior to the Sioux locks opening, Nick Bailey, who handles our travel vlogging, did a drone flight over an island up in Marquette, and it looked a, a, in a particular, it was a very beautiful shot done in drone footage, and people enjoyed it because, again, um, one of the things that works very well in the travel space is this uh, aspirational or mythological, right? You're going to places that people don't go a lot, and we take some photos. The very next day, we had an article about an island from MLive.com that was for sale for $1.5 million. They went back to back, and what happened was the video brought so many people to the party that the article floated up organically and started to outperform other things on the Facebook page to a way that surprised us. So what did we do? We dug into data and went, oh, okay, this rule of three that we've been working on can now work in this way. So fast forward, we know that Nick is gonna be up doing some shooting in and around the Sioux locks. We make sure he gets that in his video. And then we knew that the MLive team was gonna create another piece. And if you're not from Michigan and you're listening to this, not a lot of people get up to actually see the locks opening, but everybody is mesmerized when they see this Sulox video. It's a mesmerizing video. So we were able to have a video vlog about stuff happening around the locks. We were able to have a more in-depth 
discussion about what happens when the locks open, and then a single image that shows up on Instagram to show that the locks were in fact open. And using data to create that moment did exactly what we did with the island. It lifted all of them up to an organic reach that outperformed the spend. And those paying attention, this is Derby Week, so we're going to call that the trifecta, right, this <laughs> yes, week, absolutely. as opposed to the rule of three. So really, that um, that trio of, of content that was released separately on different channels, but had similar audiences, lifted everything, right? Yep. So Rising Tide lifts all boats. I mean, however, sure. whatever you want, however it is that you choose to describe this, really, that rule of three was um, a, a collection of content that allowed each piece in that collection to perform better than anticipated. Okay, and so we've been talking about video for a minute. We promised that we would give you some tips, so I want to make sure that we do that. And the first one is, and you you did an internal webinar um, this week talking about video and how it outperforms in social. I sort of want to start with that preposterous stat mm-hmm. before we go into the rest of the tips. You're absolutely right. So so 1,200% better performance for video shared in social. You'll get 1,200% uh, greater engagement around the share. Over images and text combined. Combined. So that is a, it's an astronomical statistic. Um, but remember, particularly in Facebook, you know, 85% of your video content is viewed with the volume off. So you have to assume those individuals are not listening but instead just watching. Have the logo treatment up front. Have something in the beginning in that first second and a half that's going to capture someone's attention. Really, really important. Yeah, you got to grab their attention in less than three seconds. And and if you haven't played with this, the third box down when you're uploading to Facebook is the caption, the closed caption. That is your new friend on Facebook. Click on that and let it auto-generate. And it auto-generates to about 90% accuracy. So 90% of your job is done. You just have to go through and make sure that specifically your brand name, it'll probably get that wrong. And any products you have in there, you want to make sure that they're capitalized and all of that sort of stuff. So clean that up. But make sure on Facebook you are creating a video asset that operates as if they've never heard you say a word or a sound or an utterance. Instagram. Want to talk about Insta? Yes. Uh, that one, they're most certainly going to have the sound on. So say something interesting. And again, you've only got a couple seconds. We're still in, and I know it sounds weird to say this, we're still in the infancy of understanding how video works in the newsfeed. We'll talk about stories in a second. But depending on who you are and what you're doing, you might find that your consumer wants a static image in the newsfeed but consumes your Instagram stories or vice versa. They want static images on stories and they want to see video on your newsfeed. You've got to use data to do that. But if you're using video on Instagram, and you should, sound on. They are watching it with the sound on. So make sure that you're using music, you're using sound effects, you're using voice, and again, logo treatment up front. And it's interesting from the jump off because they are scrolling and you've got to capture their attention. Mm-hmm. While you're in there, do you want to talk about Insta- Instagram stories and the swipe up feature? Sure. So the swipe up feature comes if you've got 10,000 followers or more, which means you can send them directly off Instagram. But uh, Instagram made some changes or is in the process of making changes right now that are coming out of the Facebook F8 that will make that swipe up a little less necessary. They are doing something called shopping for creators, which will allow creators or people who are on Instagram to tag products in their stories and in their images that will, if they're a partner. So for example, they were using Adidas. 
if you're using Adidas products, you can buy them directly on Instagram without leaving. If that's not for you, the swipe up function in stories will send people off site to the piece of content if they need more information. The but other th- the gate to that is 10,000, right? And the gate to that is 10,000. The other thing is, remember, guys, stories is vertical. So you are telling a story that moves up and down. So think about the canvas in that way. So think about what can move from up to down or down to up or pass through the phone. So think of the phone as kind of the pass through and that your stories are taking advantage of that canvas in both directions and aren't just treating it like you took a video from YouTube and threw it in your Instagram stories because that won't work as well as if you use the canvas for what it's designed for. Remember though, Instagram is the most visual of all of these social channels. So in order to compete in that space, you really need to be thinking about what is on screen, how visual it is, how exciting it is. You know, I mean, think about it in a very visceral sense. Do I want to reach out and touch it? Great. Then you got it. And if you're an individual brand, if you're a person, think about the times that you can take yourself out of the image to draw people's attention. If all you're doing is face to camera all the time, their eyes will get used to that and it'll be less visually appealing. So think about changing that. Uh, And then the last one obviously is YouTube. And the tips for that, I would say, without getting too deep into the rabbit hole about how to mess around in that algorithm is be consistent, right? Post on a timeline. If you say you're going to post every Monday, a video has got to go up every single Monday. This is not, YouTube is not a place that you can be like, ah, I mean, I'll put one up or maybe I won't. And then turn around and go, I wonder why my YouTube strategy, that's why it's not working. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You also have to think about the length of video, make sure that they're consistent. Think of this as, think of YouTube in terms of um, airing regular episodes of content, right? It's as close to episodic TV as you're going to get. Absolutely it is. And that is the, the root of embedded content elsewhere. So remember that YouTube is really is not just its own social channel in and of itself, but it's also a repository for you. So think about how you're storing videos across your your own personas, your your own sure. yep. um, a YouTube. And it's it's what's known as an active social medium. And, and Anne was just leaning into this, is that people don't go to YouTube and let YouTube tell them what to watch. They search for a piece of content and then that right rail shows up and they're down the rabbit hole. So. I don't know that I've ever been to YouTube and watched one video. That's like eating one potato chip or one Reese's peanut butter cup. Never going to happen. doesn't happen, right? Uh, But remember that YouTube is owned by Google, so make sure you are optimizing all of your descriptors and your meta tags so that people can find you. If you just shove the video up and say social stuff, no one's ever going to find you. So make sure that you're optimizing every single word that goes into that as if you were... Treat it like SEO on your own site. Yes, treat it like SEO. Treat it like you would the care in which you want people to find your brand. That's the same amount of care you should put in your descriptors on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Name the people who are in the video. Name the products who are in the video and write about them in a way that feels very much like a meta tag. And, you know, I, I think that's some great ways for you to kind of kick off what you're doing in the video space. And ending it by saying, you need to make a a reminder, you need to make content for your customer, not for you, because it's just, they're not going to connect to the thing that you think you need. Because if they did, you would just make commercials and they would work. And that doesn't really work anymore. We all know that we're looking at our screen 
in the aisle at the grocery store. We're looking at our screen while kneeling down and comparing products at a hardware store. Um, and we're finding tutorials. You know, we're learning from our expert friends. And those expert friends are often brands. So tell your story in the way that individuals will use. You know, Back to the beginning of our podcast conversation, tell the stories in the way that you expect that consumption to occur. And we've done a bunch of pieces talking about video, how to distribute video, how to make video, what lenses to use, where to shoot, how to shoot, when to release, all of that stuff you can find at the mlivemediagroup.com or just mlivemediagroup.com. Those blog posts are up there and we've got a bunch more that are rolling out over the next couple of weeks that you will really enjoy. So uh, keep checking back for those sorts of things. Because imagine there's a plan here, <laughs> right? Yes. And this podcast is just one piece of a number of different artifacts that are telling this story uh, from different angles. So join us on the blog and check it out for yourself. mlivemediagroup.com.